God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the wonderful time we've already had in your presence. And I ask as we uh, turn to the scripture today that you would help us to understand what it is that we are uh, reading and how you would have us uh, to respond. God, I thank you that um, on this holiday weekend, we could be together in your presence, knowing and believing that you are who you said you are, a God overflowing with love and peace and grace. We thank you for that this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are in a series called Peace House, and we are looking at the question, how can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? And we are unpacking a lot of scripture. This is a big theme in scripture, the shalom, peace of God, what it means, how we walk it out. Uh, It is meant to be a holistic thing. It is meant to be something that is real in the spiritual realm, in the natural world, on the inside of you and in your relationships. Are you with me? Yeah. So Jesus said, um, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Today, we're going to be looking at bringing spiritual peace. We've, on a number of these Sundays in this series, we've talked about things that are natural. We've talked about hospitality, hosting people in your home uh, with food. We've talked about helping people with tasks and projects. We've talked about neighborhood, citywide organization, partnerships. We've, we've talked about a lot of action in the natural world, and we've talked about forgiveness and reconciliation and personal relationships inside our home and helping others in our neighborhood learn how to do conflict resolution and, and reconcile and, and come to peace in those natural relationships. And today, I want to focus on a spiritual aspect of this, and that is when you bring spiritual peace to someone else. And it's a a focus. It's a a specific focus. And it's one that we actually see throughout the scripture. And it's one that we see as part of the purpose for the spiritual gifts uh, that are listed at a couple places of scripture. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 being one of those. I sent you some uh, notes via email this week. But bringing peace to someone else is a big part of that purpose that God has for us. And it's something that we need to understand first. Receive first. Walk in first. What's going on in our personal life is very, um, has a, a very big effect on the degree to which we can be aware of this and aware of God's purpose to accomplish this and the degree to which we can reach out and try to help someone else. Jesus, when he walked the earth, was very aware of spiritual peace in others. In fact, Jesus, when he walked this earth, fully human and yet fully divine, was aware that for us, we have spiritual hunger spiritual thirst. You know, you got a desire in you, but there must be more. There's some, there must be something more in this life. There must be something greater. There must be something more fulfilling. There must be a way in which desires can be fulfilled and not in a carnal way that leaves me feeling bad later on. There must be something more. 
This is, a, as some writers have called it, the God-shaped hole. This is a part of your spiritual hunger. You are, like it or not, believe it or not, you are an eternal spiritual being. Having a temporary natural experience. And as a spiritual being, you were created by design with love, by Yahweh the Creator and your Redeemer, who has placed within you, for your benefit, spiritual hunger and thirst. This is why we find fulfillment in the presence of the living God. No matter how your singing sounds, you should sing with all that you've got, Bring full passion that you could get lost, as it were, intoxicated, as it were, in the presence of the living God. The Word says that He inhabits the praises of His people. For us to seek to be aware, physically aware, mentally aware, emotionally aware, where our learning and our knowledge meets our wisdom, meets our instinct, meets our emotion, meets our insecurities and fears, meets how we feel challenged by this world, meets how we feel brokenness by sharing the brokenness of this world, coming into the presence of God and finding that spiritual hunger to be fulfilled. Only as we walk in this can we be the kind of peacemakers that Jesus calls us to be, to bring spiritual peace to others. And one of I know some of us are a little bit more literal, and I want to just bring a little bit of focus to this before we move on to, into the, the meat of the message, if you were. So in every message, there's some vegetables, there's some carbs. Not all of us are on the Atkins diet. There's some protein, and there's some dessert. It's a plate. That's how I look at it. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, about to return to the Father, said this to his followers, I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. Now remember, we've clarified, this is a God kind of peace, a Hebrew shalom, or the Greek erene, that is specifically referred to in these verses. I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The resurrected Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 27, John chapter 20, verses 21 and 26 says, to them when he appears to his followers, peace be with you. Now, how, how is this possible? A peacemaker is someone who experiences the peace of God because he or she is at peace with the God of peace through the Prince of Peace, who is indeed our peace and who therefore seeks to live at peace with all others and proclaims the gospel of peace so that others might have joy and peace in believing. That's a whole lot of peace. Peace out. Where do we get that idea? A peacemaker is someone who experiences the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
Peacemaker is someone who experiences the peace of God because he is at peace. Romans 5.1, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because he is at peace with the God of peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. Because he is at peace with the God of peace through the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, and verse 6. Through the Prince of Peace, who indeed is our peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Who is our peace and who therefore seeks to live at peace with all others. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Who is at peace with all others and proclaims the gospel of peace. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. For shoes put on the peace that comes from God, from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. Who proclaims the gospel of peace so that others might have joy and peace in believing. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in Him. If you are here today and you are a Jesus follower, God has given you spiritual gifts and wants to give you more spiritual gifts, sometimes through the laying on of hands in prayer. It's God's plan. And thankfully, this is not spooky or weird or completely unknown to us because we in fact see them operating in the scriptures. Maybe you just haven't looked for it before. Some of you would know the story of Jesus sitting at the well with the Samaritan woman that's told in John chapter 4 verses 1 through 42. There's a lot to this story. I've preached on this story a number of times over the last few years. But I want to point out that Jesus, the Messiah, who was human, operated in the gifts of the Spirit in this encounter. He operated with a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, and a word of wisdom. He asked her about her marital situation. She kind of fibbed a little bit, and he said, well, that's not really your situation. This is your situation. And she said, I discern that you're a prophet. I think we miss something when we take the humanity of Jesus out of the story. Jesus was fully human. You notice Jesus prays to God. He asks for help. If Jesus, while he walked the earth, had all of his abilities, he wouldn't have needed to ask for that. He wouldn't have asked God to spare him the cup. He wouldn't have asked God for help. Jesus is our perfect example. He had set aside his powers for a time that he would have a completely human experience. He is our example that he would say, God, would you help me? And he would operate in the gifts of the Spirit in that moment, and he would operate in a prophetic gift that you can operate in as well. Now, you notice something about most of the stories I'm going to mention today. They don't happen in church. They happen in the streets. You'll thank me for that later. And they don't happen with people that are perfect and have it all together. Thank me for that later. 
They happen when Jesus and when his followers reach out in the streets to people who are in need. A wide variety of people. Now, Jesus in this story in John chapter 4 has identified she is spiritually thirsty. And she tries to turn it to a, a discussion about religion. And he brings it back to spiritual thirst when he says, Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. He operates in the prophetic. He is ministering to her peace that she does not have. Ministering to her peace that she has not found in marriages or extramarital affairs. Even Buckwheat knew. Walking Penub in all the wrong places. Walking Penub. <laughs> Marriage is a bummer when we are seeking ultimate fulfillment in it. There will always be brokenness. There will always be fights and arguments. There will always be pain. Whether we shut down and turn silent, there will always be pain and suffering when we are seeking ultimate fulfillment in the other person. Marriage will always be bad in that way. The only way that it's really good And Rebecca and I have had bad years because of me. And we've had good years. When I found my ultimate fulfillment in Jesus, I'm being honest, this is no exaggeration. Many times I've asked her to forgive me for those early years when I was trying to find fulfillment in her. She is human. Only in my God can I find ultimate fulfillment. And then our marital relationship should become an expression of God's love to each other. That we would seek to give, not to get. Marriage is always broken. Love of any kind is always broken. We we are seeking to get instead of to give. This is true in every aspect of our human relationships. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 4 with the woman at the well. He knows she has not found fulfillment in those relationships. But what does he do? He operates in the gifts of the Spirit, like you can, and he brings her a spiritual peace that she's never known. And a bunch of people from her village come to faith in Christ, come to salvation, find peace that they did not have before. Mark chapter 5, verse 34, Jesus, there's a healing miracle with a woman who had suffered with a constant bleeding for 12 years. He says to her, Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Jesus knew that the medical condition was not the only problem. I I deal with chronic pain. When you have a chronic medical condition, the physical side effects, the physical symptoms are not the only problem. Oftentimes, the stress, the exhaustion, the what you feel in your emotions, in your mind, are connected to this ailment. 
Jesus knew what he was talking about. What do we see? It's after the resurrection, the ascension of Christ in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John coming into the temple, into the place of worship in a public discourse. There's a man there who'd been crippled since birth. Calls out and asks for money. And what what does Peter say? I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I do have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And watch this, this is what Peter says. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. What is Peter doing? The guy can't walk. He can't work. He can't, he's begging for money because he can't walk. You've got to, this is the, 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 the a TV show, the Bible is on Netflix streaming. And one of the things, even though they get some things wrong, one of the things that's valuable about it is that you get the nuance of what's going on, the eye to eye contact, the nonverbal communication, the perception that's going on. If you just read the words on the page in this story, you're going to think, man, Peter's kind of a jerk. I'm not really sure what's going on there. There was an eye-to-eye contact. There was Peter could tell that there was more going on than just he wanted to be able to walk. And Jesus spoke to the followers and said, come and follow me. There was a, there's nonverbal communication going on there. And you've got to engage your imagination. If, if Netflix helps you, then okay, use that. But engage your conversation when you read these stories a little bit. There's nonverbal communication going on there. And Peter can recognize that it's not just this man's legs that have atrophied that are of no use to him. That there is something on the inside. He has been dehumanized. He has been put down. He has been ridiculed. He has been thought of as less than. God has put people in your life who have been dehumanized, who have been thought of as less than, who have been mistreated, who do not feel whole, whether they pretend that that's not true or not, whether they are high functioning and you would never guess it, or they they wear it on their face or on their sleeves as it were every day. God has put people around you that he wants you to be perceptive to, that he wants you to bring spiritual peace to. But what that requires is you to see them. For you to hear them. For you to be spiritually aware of what's going on. This beautiful thing. Not harsh thing. Not unrealistic thing. This beautiful thing. This man had been at the gate of the temple. The physical presence of Yahweh. That Yahweh had designed this temple. He had been on the outskirts of the presence of God for years. Come on, are you connecting with this? And Peter talks about times of refreshment that will come from the presence of the Lord. God wants you to bring peace where there is no peace spiritually by using the gifts of the Spirit. A whole bunch of more stories where you see this, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Philip, Holy Spirit says to Philip, he, he, he's on the road, and passing him in a chariot is an Ethiopian who is the treasure for the nation of Ethiopia. This is probably the start of the church, the Christian church in Africa, which has a long and rich history. This is the initiation moment 
this Ethiopian, high capacity individual, he's the treasure, has been a worshiper of Yahweh. He reads the scriptures. He's likely memorized the first five books of the Bible. He's come to the temple to worship, to sing the Psalms, to pray the Psalms. That's what was going on there. This man was a worshiper of Yahweh. He was reading Isaiah. He was reading a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And he didn't understand what he was reading. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go. Go over and walk along beside him. Sometimes we got to be walking slow enough to hear the voice of God. God will bring you alongside someone you've never met before, and he's got a word in you for them. But if we live our life constantly late, constantly stressed and ticked off about what's going on in our own lives, we will miss it. And someday we'll watch the video in heaven. I don't, maybe, I don't know, theology, maybe that part will be deleted. And you'll go, why was that part deleted, Jesus? I was just running late to work. <laughs> this is a practice I've made in my life to get up extra early, to arrive at my place of work extra early. And a part of that reason is because when I started to do that, I started to have more conversations with people, my neighbors and my coworkers. This is a very real, very practical thing. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That's great advice, even though I hate it. The Holy Spirit says to Philip, go over next to him. And he hears him reading Isaiah. And Philip's own study of the prophet Isaiah. Philip had gone to Hebrew school where they taught him the the, the prophecies of the Messiah. And he knew how to interpret. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He knew about the importance of the Messiah. And so he unpacked the scriptures for the Ethiopian treasure, brought him to faith, told them about this baptism. And they're walking, they're riding the chariot past the water and, and the treasure says, there's water right there. What's preventing me from getting baptized? Philip says, huh? <laughs> And then God takes him and he's gone. A lot of crazy stories. Acts chapter 9, Ananias and Saul, Saul has just come to faith as Jesus has knocked him off his horse, talked to him. God says to Ananias, go, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. God speaks to Ananias very specific instructions. If... I'm not having time in the presence of God. I won't be able to hear the instructions of God. I should start every day and end every day with enough quiet time for God to speak. The fact of the matter is that there's medical data that shows that it's difficult to get to sleep for a certain amount of time after you've had the flicker of a screen in front of you, whether it be a phone, an iPad, a, a, a monitor, a TV. It's actually better for you. You will improve your sleep if you will shut that off earlier. There's a medical benefit. Thank you, Pastor Ben. <laughs> God sends an angel to Cornelius. I love this story and gives Peter, I'm running out of time, gives Peter a vision to prepare them both for a meeting where God would reveal the good news to the Gentiles. That's good news for us. Are you making time for God to give you visions? 
The same God then lives today and wants you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe that Ananias, that Saul, that Paul, that Peter, that Philip were more special than you. I don't believe it. I don't believe they were more gifted than you. I believe that you can operate in this gift this week. When we start each day with quiet time, conversation, that's listening and speaking, with God, we'll gain a better sense of what God is directing us to do. In this way, we can help people discover eternal peace by taking next steps in following Jesus. God wants you to help bring spiritual peace by operating in your spiritual gifts, helping them keep it simple. Keep it simple. Where are they now? What's the next step in following Jesus? I bet that you're one step ahead of them. That's all that God's looking for. Check this out. Gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see them on the screen. A word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We saw Jesus operate in the word of knowledge in that he knew, he shared information with her that he knew about her marital history. A word of wisdom we saw Philip unpack the scriptures of Isaiah as it related to wisdom about the conversion path and faith in Jesus. Great faith. It took Ananias great faith to go pray for Saul who had been killing Christians. We have seen gifts of healing. Peter and John exercised the gift of healing with the man who could not walk. We see miracles, multiple miracles in the scriptures, um, including ones with washcloths. Look it up. It's really cool. And then there's the prophetic gift as well. That's where you speak something that did not come from you, did not come from your human wisdom, your human experience, but you speak the voice of God. You're a mouthpiece of God, a prophetic word. All of these gifts... And find any one of us that have operated in these gifts, ask them to lay hands on you, pray for you that you would receive these gifts and operate in these gifts. We are instructed from the scripture to desire the gifts and to desire to function in the gifts. Why? The motive is a God's agape kind of love to help others. That's the motive. Not so people will think we are cool. Not so that they will be instantly fixed the way that you think they will. Come on, somebody, I'm talking real today. But from agape kind of love to help them. That's what operating in the gifts of the Spirit looks like. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. This is what God wants for you. God can direct you with where and when to go. What to do who to talk with, and what to say. God can. Try it out. Then come back and tell the stories and say, I don't know, what do you think? Was that weird? Was that me? Was that bad pizza? Was I in left field? You'll get help from other believers. You'll grow. You've got to use the gift to exercise the gift. You know how most skateboarding accidents occur? Young kids trying to ollie without moving. Now, how many of you know what an ollie is? Because you, you, you kick the board up, the board jumps up, you're up in the air, and you land on it. Real simple. It's considered the starter trick at skateboarding. Most kids get injured because they try that with the board standing still. 
That's not how it's supposed to work. You move, you get going, and then do it. It's much easier. You're much, much less likely to get hurt. Now, don't sue me when you, you know, don't try this necessarily. It's like, uh, I think it was Ben Farrell this week that referred to his grandpa saying, you can't steer a parked bicycle. You can't grow in the gifts by sitting still. God guides movement. Whether it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, whether it's prophecy, whether it's healing, whether it's miracles, whether it's a word of knowledge, you got to try it. Just try it. Just try it. No, really, just try it. No, later on today, try it. No, no, I want you to try it. And guess what? When you make a mistake, and you will, it's okay. Because if you're living the way we've been talking about in this series, the person will believe that you care about them genuinely. And when you make a mistake, it's okay because you've got a spiritual family here that loves you and accepts you no matter what. Am I right? We're not going to take the ring off. We love each other. We care about each other. When you mess up, you will learn. This is how God designed us. This should be the safest place and time in your life to learn from your mistakes. I want you to mess up. (laughs) I want you to make mistakes trying this stuff. Because it's the only way you're going to learn. This really depressing psychological data study about adolescent girls right now. And the fact that many of them are not stepping into the careers that they're capable of because they're afraid of failure. God loves you. God is the best safety net you can ever have. Hello? When you die, you're going to heaven. God loves you. He's the best safety net ever. Don't let fear of failure keep you from stepping out and enjoying something that's really good. Skateboarding is really good. Surfing, I love surfing. I'm t- if time and money were no object, I'd be surfing maybe right now. You don't know until you try it. It's the same with sushi. Okay, I better stop. All right. All right. So let me close out with our explanation paragraph. Our explanation paragraph, and then we'll pray. And on the back, on both of the round tables here in the middle of the room, both those round tables, um, there are notes. Um, There's the notes from today. There's um, the notes on how... Does God speak? There's notes, um, and it, it's, it covers a lot of different ways. So through nature, through scripture, and, and uh, different things, and tons of Bible references and, and some good thoughts that will be helpful. Uh, there's also notes um, there on the table about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the function of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because I didn't want to just leave you with these random thoughts that seem unsupported and a little bit weird. So there's three different sets of notes on the two round tables in the middle of the room for your benefit, okay? I'll just close with this explanation paragraph today. How can a home bring peace to a neighborhood? There is a peace, a healthy state, we can find in Jesus. We can be safe and sound, able to rest and function at full capacity, complete, 
with our guilt removed and free to enjoy life. Our God wants us to receive it and share it with others. We should understand this, pray for it, and work towards such a peace in ourselves, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our city. In this way, we will pursue peaceful relationships inside our homes through forgiveness. Jesus motivates us to love neighbors by listening to them in an attempt to understand them and build relationships. This listening works best when we host people with food and offer to help them in what they're doing. From this context, we may create new personal relationships and repair broken ones. We will work toward natural peace and we will bring the spiritual peace of our God. Our homes will be a gathering place for our church family to grow. We will pray for our neighbors and our neighborhood. Our homes will bring peace to the neighborhood. Let's stand and close in prayer. God, I thank you so very much that we can say that in heaven we have you. That we desire nothing more on earth than you. That when our health fails, when our spirit grows weak, you, Lord, remain the strength of our heart. How good it is today to be near you. Lord, help us, strengthen us. Bless today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.